you're in the music world and you obviously have this whole other side intellectual curiosity that accompanies that that you kind of see in this like big cosmology of, mm -hmm. of things and it's kind of like is that is that kind of where you're coming from or like i don't know i don't know how to ask that question really um of just my of, of music or my interest in books the books that i yeah. love or, yeah 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 uh, um i think i think what's interesting for me is you know like most kids i got into skateboarding and punk with friends but anyway fast forwarding to when i turned like 18 and 19 I got pretty interested in, I was pretty disgusted with what I felt like punk was or what was happening with music I was making and um, got introduced to um, White House and a lot of um, industrial power electronics noise artists. And at the same time that all that was happening, uh, I got interested in stuff like Sotos or uh, at the same time, on the kind of a different spectrum, Alan Roll Grelay, this writer. Um, and, but anyway, to me, as I was kind of going through my interest in noise, um, there was a language to industrial that I really loved, which was there was releases that seemed to be about the artist's, you know, personal language or obsessions. Um, Dom from Prient had this release that I loved and uh, to me, it was so different from punk, which, you know, I still love punk or metal, but those things were so direct at times. And yeah. so with with noise, there was a set of symbols that could be kind of looked through and interpreted and dissected. And through that, um, there I, I felt a huge, deep connection. And then at the same time... Uh, discovering also people like Dennis Cooper and reading those books, it was kind of all these things at once. Um, so to me, my music stuff or noise or the label that I do is, you know, not to be pretentious, it's just art that I love. And um, whether I'm releasing someone else's stuff or, or my own, it's from that language that I feel like, that if, even though it's like whatever you want to call it a genre, it's the most personal thing that I'm interested in. And I think a lot of the artists and writers that I love, there's that language where it's a, it's not necessarily political, but rather it's uh, super personal. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there has to be that sort of like personal element to all teachings and all philosophies. Like, you know, what good is it if it's just, if it's just pure abstraction and it just lives in this world, that's just like, I mean, that's kind of how I see a lot of stuff right now is like, it just kind of stuff is just, it just ends up reification because mm -hmm. people aren't necessarily personally invested in it. They're like, they're, they're really invested in what they can like get out of it personally. Right. But there's right. like, I think it's like that fucking graffiti documentary um, with like Dondi White in the 1980s. He said something like scheme, like the graffiti writer is like, you know, he's like, you know, a lot of these guys who are like doing their gallery shows, like, they take themselves seriously, but they don't take what they do seriously. Oh, of course, right. right. And, I, and like, I remember seeing that as a little kid and being like interested in this, like, well, well, how do you live like a radically authentic life where you're like actually interested in the things that you are, you know, engaging with in a part of in like a genuine fucking way. Right. You know, and like what actually like sparks your fucking interest because, you know, I think right now there's a lot of, there's a lot of character assassination going on and like what makes 
an authentic thing. And also mm-hmm. like what makes something transgressive? You right, know? Right. Like, like, like how do you define, uh, you know, like a transgressive act kind of in a day where it almost seems like we're, we're living in this form of like unparalleled Gnosticism, but it's like right. a low grade variant of it where it's like, <laughs> do you go farther or do you go backwards? Do you like go, it's like, so people are in this place of like, do you transgress harder or do you go back to some more like traditional modality in right. order to like gain some kind of, in order to like access the limit experience or like some sublime, right. thing, you know? So, yeah, yeah, um, that's that's a good question. Um, it's always interesting to kind of look at. I, I think I will say, you know, I don't come at all this stuff necessarily from like an academic place. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, but of course, I think when I read someone like Saad, or, um, I understand the implications of was he making fun of Rousseau or something like that, that, yeah. that, uh, all these people, you know, that the human nature isn't some good, beautiful thing. Totally. Um, but, and of course I can see all those parallels. Um, I'll, I'll even say this, there's this, um, photographer and writer named Antoine de Gata who, uh, he takes, he basically is a French guy. He loves taking photographs of prostitutes in Thailand and Mexico. He does meth with them. And his whole thing is taking pictures of himself, fucking them and smoking meth. And for him, uh, he wrote this long essay about for certain people on this total low end spectrum where they're just living in poverty, doing drugs and having sex or is this beautiful kind of way to transcend their position and um, to give them a kind of freedom that doesn't exist anywhere else, um, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people disagree with, but uh, he, he lives that world. Uh, I yeah. think he, com- he comes from, I think, like an upper middle class French background. I could be wrong, but decided to inject himself into this poverty. Instead of taking pictures of prostitutes, he's going to be the John and the drug addict with them. Um, yeah. and, and I think uh, all I can say with that, whatever it, I respect that dedication in, in a huge way. Yeah. Well, freedom is, is really contextual, too. So sometimes you have to make that framework for yourself. You know, you right. can't just, and I think that's one of the things that is like interesting about Bataille is that like, and you know, you, we, we talked a little bit about Bataille and I think the thing, and what's really interesting is also when you brought up like Rousseau, like the idea that like man is some like benevolent ape right. at his core and like all right. this other shit and decides like, no, I'll show you like, I'll show you the fucking darkness of like the chaos that descended right. from night, you know? And I think <laughs> right, that's right. like, and I, I, and like, that's the kind of shit I like because time and time again, it's like, I think people have shown themselves to be like pretty fucking disgusting, horrible oh, yeah. shit. Even yeah. like when you strip them of all their fucking <laughs> civic codes and civilities it's like every every yuppie douchebag you see will be climbing on each other for like a roll of toilet paper. Of course. If, you know, if they feel like it has to be done. You right, know, there's, right, no, right. there's no like, there's no sharing. There's no like benevolence involved in that. This is kind of interesting. Like one of the places where I feel like Bataille connects to like Peter Sotos, the trial of uh, Gilderai, where it's basically like the reason why he's defending is because of the excess, the honesty through the excess or the clarity through the excess. And I feel like 
with the Peter Soto stuff, and, and I'm only familiar with um, his his interview in like Apocalypse Culture and then Pure and Parasite, so I actually don't know the more modern stuff. But like the um, but there's this kind of like that the, I guess the the brutality of the honesty of it or something. Right. No, and I think what's interesting about Pete's work is there's always a kind of for him, it's always, at least his writing, a huge part of it is looking at himself and looking at his reasons for being interested in whether it's a case of some kid getting killed or he's, you know, in his later works, he'll go through all this case history and case law of different, whether it's like a murder case or a child pornography case or something, and he'll completely dissect it. Um, but I think in the end, it's always about this respecting the brutal honesty, the excess, and the obsession and looking deep inside of it. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Sotos wrote this book a couple years ago called Desitance, which is actually a, uh, it's about the photographer Antoine Degada's work. It's this amazing, almost, you know, academic analysis of it. But ultimately, my point is that, um, yeah, there's, what sucks is that his work is purposely hard to find. Um, and it's he kind of only wants there to be a hundred copies of something because he knows there's not that many people that would really be interested in it, maybe. Um, but I, um, one thing I will say is a, a really easy book that's cheap and you can even get it on Kindle to get that's an amazing example of Sotus that is, I think, some of his best since recent is uh, Feral House put out this book called Gates of Janus that's that Ian Brady, the serial killer, wrote. And it's an awful book. His book is just hilariously bad. It's all it's about a serial killer analyzing other serial killers. And it's totally garbage. But what's a, the reason to get it is Sotos wrote two um, afterwards that they didn't tell Ian Brady about. The first afterward came from the first edition of the book, and he dissects and totally destroys Ian Brady's book, essentially, um, and Brady freaked out about it. There's a bunch of letters, um, lost his mind. And then this paperback edition that you can get on Kindle, Sotos writes a, a book-length second afterward that um, is just one of the best deconstructions of the, this idea of the serial killer and the worthlessness of them, how stupid they are. Um, anyway, I, it's worth reading. Awesome. You gave us that like great recommendation, but like sketch out like his development a little bit more of like where he went, you know, when you were saying that it's just a demo, you know, like where, where did he go? So after, you know, he did Tick, there's an era of, uh, there's a couple books that are in proxy. There's special, there's a, it's basically like a mid era where he's kind of taking newspaper clippings or his own personal stuff of going to male sex clubs and interspersing that. And then there's a, I'd call his third era, there's a book called Selfish Little that really defines it, where he's um, really looking at himself. And then there's kind of a new era where all of his books um, are about, I would say, our culture and the media. Now, all his books have been about sex and culture and media. But I think, uh, anyway, I think he's really, um, you know, all his work is good to me because I'm a fan of his work in a huge way. But I think what can be... a you know, and I love Pure for what it is, for sure, but I think um, there's a lot of, of stuff and there's a huge, um, I guess, evolution. And it's not even looking back on it and saying, oh, but this stuff's bad and he would hate this and this is good, but th that it's there. 
I, I have all these books next to me, so I'm like thinking about them. If you ever want to bust out a passage, you're free to. Yeah, free yeah. To. Uh, um, there's um, there's a passage that is actually it's by Antoine de Gata, but it's from a Soto's book, and he also talks about Bataille. Um, and I'll read it because I think it it also talks about just the concept of transgression, and um, so I'll read a little bit of it. Um, so this is from the photographer of the 59 portraits composed in my work. Most are in fact shot by other people. I slowly abandoned the position behind the camera to integrate myself in the images as a mere character of the situations I depict. The process is brutal. I never photograph if I'm not a full participant in the situation I'm interfering in or provoking. Distancing myself from straightforward documentary photography, I document what I live and I live the situations I document. By transgressing the border that separates the photographer from the photograph, I become the object of my photography a forced actor of my own premeditated scenario. The craving and the pain through the sexual acts takes me back to my own body. I face up in my flesh to the disorder of the world, to its violence and indignity. It is not a question of opening my eyes to this excess and horror, but letting it contaminate me for better or worse. According to George Bataille, you have to suffer to become the mirror of reality. The only freedom for those who have nothing lies in self-destruction. Refusing to reduce themselves to servitude, they find an outlet in sex, drugs, and violence. In the same way, depravity has always been, for me, a step towards emancipation. Um, so that's a good stopping point. But uh, yeah, I, and yeah, that's great. And I think I think one of the things that seems to be of like a common theme is this idea that like. You know, you really got to live what you, there has to be some kind of lived experience to your, you know, personal philosophy. Right. And I think, I think that's true. Like for me, like, I feel like a lot of the ideas and the, my outlook that I've shaped from the world that, you know, can seem kind of like, you know, like black pilled or nihilistic or whatever it comes from the fact that like, yeah, I mean, I was like a fuck up, you know, mm -hmm. like I just did drugs and like, yeah. you know, like I, and so like you know it's like so you end up like i did in like fucking aa or whatever and i'm like, seven years sober so i'm there oh really yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't drank in seven years yeah, i yeah. i had a little like seven eight months like drug <laughs> yeah, like yeah. situation in the middle of there at one point but like but yeah no man that's cool like i and so for me it's like that's a really that's a really big deal to me because like i see a lot of like kind of like keyboard academic kinds of people but I'm like you know but if you don't if you haven't like actually like walked in those shoes and it's like really hard for me to take it seriously mm -hmm. but then it's like also really difficult because it's like it's really hard to distinguish like what's a real experience like what's an authentic experience and right, what's right. not an authentic because there's a lot of things because there's like a lack of experience that can also inform an experience in a, in a oh, philosophy yeah. as well. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like Rousseau. Like Rousseau is right. like a perfect example of that, you know? I think, um, well, for me, even just, I'm sure someone might hear that passage, not that you guys are, and say, well, look, this guy's just fetishizing nihilism. Um, and for, just in a personal sense, you know, I was a heroin addict for many years. I smoked crack all the time for many years. I've been seven years sober. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I live a pretty calm monk existence where I yeah, read and make yeah. art with my partner. But uh, of course, 
we can, I, th- I think it's what's interesting in a cultural sense is there kind of, there's a kind of like knee jerk, everybody, whether it's on the right or left or whatever, has to have their set ideology and their set um, kind of, these are my core beliefs, which maybe is a reaction to the way the early 2000s were when no one seemed to have a core set of beliefs at times. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting to me to go on Twitter or look in the world and and see a kind of, oh, you're interested in this, then you must just be like this like degenerate nihilist. Not there's anything wrong with that in my mind, but uh, or on the other side of like, well, you're you're interested in this, you must be the psychotic Nazi, whatever. Which yeah. I'm sure these conversations have you know happened a million times, but I think you can. It's just interesting to me that it, there's plenty of people I think that can read certain literature novelists and you can connect to what they're saying in a deeper level you know that isn't so literalized um everything is like bundled in this way where people are forced to be like in this identity of like oh you read this book you're in this group or you have this thought you're in yeah totally right and um i think i think that's like a sad place to be you know um uh I think the other day I saw somebody on Twitter because I follow strange people that were going off about how Iron Maiden should be canceled because they use, they, they're like fans of Churchill or they use the UK flag or something like that. And it was like losing my mind thinking like, well, that's it. You, the, the only art somebody can consume now is their own maybe because that's it. You know, is that is that all there is to it? Like I'm the only one that knows that I have these core, I'm not a racist, I'm not bad. Okay, that's the only thing I'll listen to. Because it's, it's all about contagion. Like like somehow that's contagious. Somehow if, if they have that intention, it's baked into their work in this way that will seep out no matter what. Right, and I think it's scary that I even sometimes start to see, you can see how people think where, oh my God, you could take this, I don't know, whether it's a, a punk artist or a comic book or whatever, and you start to deconstruct things in this very specific way that's only recently happened, I think, in certain academic circles where everything is taken to its base core of, well, what is this Iron Maiden thing about? They use this flag, and this flag represents this, the UK flag. That's, I'm sure they're like, pro churchill or whatever as if that's a bad thing anyway and it's yeah, yeah. it's sad that you're taking art and turning it into like the this this flattened thing um and that's so scary to me one one question though that i'm curious about like coming from like kind of like a punk metal noise extreme side of things and you know we were, we were talking about how i mean obviously like someone can be uh, led to Christianity through death metal or they can be led to occult things through death metal or different things. Like, it can go both ways. But there is something interesting about, like, like it's one thing to say the Iron Bain Churchill thing, you know, that, that's a level of ridiculousness. But when you are literally using, like, a, like like seals, like seals from the Lesser Key of Solomon or like, thing, like things where images that have, that people believe have potent, power and stuff that to study that image would be something that would affect you like what wait, what is your take on the the use of extreme imagery and that stuff in the sense of like does that um like doesn't that put something in someone's mind in a certain way i'm sure you know for me i think uh the responsibility that say i have from you know if i make art or i do tapes that uh have let's say a person confessing to a murder just as an example if uh those things, I'm sure those things affect someone. We're going back to like, if there's a metal band that used a bunch of uh, sigils, uh, 
I, in some ways, I'm sure that metal band would hope that those sigils, even if they're used totally incorrectly, would influence somebody. Um, I think that's a conversation I have with myself all the time of at what point does my art or my music or whatever, at what point should I worry about the audience or completely disregard them? Um, and there's obviously always really interesting things to be said about one or the other. You know, you don't want to just be shouting into the void and but at the same time, I think, uh, at least where I'm coming from, I, I have to be kind of true to my own language. Um, and uh, I think specifically for what I do, there are like a good, it's a small, small amount of people, probably like 50, 50 people I think that really might understand the art um, and understand what X release is about. But similar to my kind of disgust with, the modern art world, um, I think I'm not too worried about it. Um, it's interesting to me, though, like on a totally different level, I, as a, you know, when I was a teenager, I was really considering going to art school, and I had a lot of friends that did. And as they were going through art school, they were constantly talking about the language of conceptual art, which is interesting to me. But they were, you know, there's this kind of thought process where obviously we all, I'm sure, know that if you read an art essay, an art form or something like that, it's just the most ridiculous form of language ever. Um, yeah. International art English. And it's just this ridiculous word salad, self-flagell, you know, where they're just referencing, you know, it doesn't speak to people. Um, and yeah. I think, I think what's interesting is for me, I was, I, I was interested in that world, but then I would have friends that would completely write things off because they felt whether it was a piece of art or music that, you know, this didn't get across this idea in this way well enough. They didn't have X amount of signifiers, right? And that scared me like, oh man, so in your opinion, art needs to, to basically have these sets of rules for how it expresses what it's supposed to express as if it's like a riddle where each art piece you see is a riddle and we figure it out and we know what it's referencing. That scared, that scared me so much. Um, yeah. And uh, although I do think it's interesting that dude, uh, I, Brad Tromel, that artist, I don't know if yeah, you guys yeah. are aware of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, uh, he kind of went from uh, being completely, I would say, he, he was all, he was completely interested in that kind of art English style of expressing ideas. And I don't know if you've seen, but recently has kind of talked about how ridiculous it all is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Plenty of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah love and hate bro yeah yeah no totally and i think i think part of the thing is like when people get into like you know the aesthetic language of what they're doing and things become too like encapsulated in their own world and they're not picking up it's like i i i look at this like politically too like this is a big thing people on the left do not understand politically is you have to bend to the aesthetic language of right. like regular people which mm -hmm. means like you can't just like you know put bernie sanders in like a fucking dsa tote bag it's like you have to have him like rocking an american eagle <laughs> right, right, right. you know what i mean right. like you have to like that's what people don't really like understand is like there needs to be like some sort of like mobilizing force in everything you do like or else it's just reification and it's like 
there's no charisma in any of it. So, but like the thing that is cool about like extreme stuff and why like I was like drawn to like extreme music when I was like younger or whatever is like, like it's something that's so visceral and on, on any level, anybody can get a reaction out of it. There's no like, you know, pussyfooting around or like having to like bake all these other references into it. It's like, all right, you see a decapitated head. Okay, I understand that. Right, it's right, the same right. thing with like, you know, like death by a thousand lashes. It's like seeing right. like the seeing this kind of like what Bataille wrote about, like the ecstasy of like the the face of the person who is just being slowly ripped <laughs> apart. Right. Or like, you know, like why I like like any kind of death metal or whatever. It's like, I don't like it. Well, it's like, I love guitar solos and shredding and shit, uh-huh. but like, I like it because it's like, profane you right, know what yeah, i mean yeah. I, that's like exactly why i'm attracted to it like right and i think that's like that's basically it it's like why do you listen to autopsy or like mortician or whatever it's right like, right you know like and i think a lot more people like death metal than they do like conceptual art you know? <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a great that's put that on a shirt for sure yeah <laughs> yeah no um, seriously yeah yeah i it's i think uh you know, also for me, my interest, because I've had plenty of people ask me about this, you know, my interest in, I love listening to, I'll edit together in terms of my music, like hour long sound collages from police investigations or news stories. That's, that stuff is what I love. Um, And to a certain degree, maybe it's just like a form of autism where I'm like, this is what I want to hear. I'm sure it's extreme to some people because it's, you know, horrible to them or something like that. But to me, whatever, whatever it's because of how I was raised, which I was raised completely normally or how I was born, there's, I have a deep interest in, I think it's a form of empathy actually of trying to, I deeply connect with these stories. Um, uh, And so I think what's interesting is like half of me, it is that there, there is that I just love this, this extreme kind of there's no pussy fitting around this is what it is and then at the same time uh i also love the complex language that's at times almost like conceptual art of noise and i think that's what's what's weird for me is like um there's these two things that kind of exist where uh i love how something can just talk to you in the most direct way but then I think I also love I don't know as an example say like David Lynch or something where you're just seeing all these symbols and letting them kind of wash over you I don't those things kind of shouldn't go together but they do for me you know it's interesting yeah 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 David Lynch is a really interesting type of person but but at the same time I think the power of David Lynch and why his symbolism is so relatable in all these ways yeah yeah. it's because he because he sutures together relatable symbols. Right, right. Like he's like an Americana type of, of course. guy. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's not, he's not, he's an esotericist in the way he functions, right, but right. he's not using like super arcane or oh, like no way. exotic yeah. references. Right, Like right. he's very much like, uh, very direct. Direct yeah. and acknowledges yeah. that he's like the product of some sort of like, society that exists like and violence has that same has that same effect because of right 
because oh, it's so point. normalized, you know? And it's like, well, that's kind of why I say it. it's like, you can do anything you want, but like the power has to be in that it has to like correlate to like what people are actually thinking and could potentially think about it. It's like, why all these basic bitches and like normie chicks and people or whatever, like love like serial killer documentaries. Right. Right. No, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that's another be- weird and insane thing where you have a million people that think they're like super special because they're interested in something that everyone's interested in the drama of, of true crime, the violence, um, just accepting that those things are interesting to a lot of people. Well, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really crazy because it's this kind of thing where everyone forgets that like people ate picnics at lynchings and, and people, uh, people, you know, when they would write about murders in the newspapers, people would hang out in the places where those murders were happening on lovers lanes, trying to wait to see something. So it's like these needs were being fed by other things that were actually more real in a way. And it's like, it's pretty scary thinking about, you know, our grandparents' generation and our great grandparents' generation, public, public exile, like public driving someone out of town, even what that means. I think people think that they're far away from hey, let's watch the lynching down the block. But in, and then in, in, and in an interesting way, also like kind of similar to that, you when, when you hear people go like, God, isn't it kind of interesting how like Nancy Grace and all these uh, people on TV are like huge hypocrites and they're really just exploiting these, these dead children. And it's like, yeah, obviously, as if that's, <laughs> especially in the noise world, you'll get, you get a lot of people being like, I just figured out, you know, that like Nancy Grace exploits dead children. You're like, yeah, that's like number one. Okay, there's, yeah, it's not that weird. It's or that, it just in terms of that's the most obvious thing. Well, um, well, I think that that's kind of interesting because one thing that I I notice a lot in like industrial circles, especially like in LA, is there's there's an aesthetic there's a fetish of all the aesthetics surrounding the profane, but right. they're not really actually willing to go to the places to make it like meaningful. Oh, of course. Right. And and so it's like, I see like a lot of of these kind of like, you know, second city fucking kind of like (laughs) middle manager, like kind of cultural bureaucrats who are like co-opting like EBM or like like anything. And I think, you know, it's, and I think it's like really like, they're not willing to go to those like actual depraved places uh, to, to acknowledge it as something. Like I said, like when you look at people like, Bataille or like Blanche show or like any of these people like transgression and taboo are like reinforcing phenomena like they're in phenomena that reinforce each other so therefore like transgression isn't something that's purely a form it's it's embedded within a context and like right, right. You know, a lot of these people want to strip that away oh of course and they're like well if I just do ketamine and fuck girls <laughs> that are like half my age then right. that's like bad enough, and I'm like, no, like a great example is this is a per- this is actually back to my project. This is the perfect example. So uh, my uh, partner Amelia and I we do this project called Breathing Problem. Uh, a couple years ago, it's like 2014, I think we went on tour, and part of our performance uh, is I would put this uh, contact mic, like a microphone, in her mouth on this uh, mattress on the floor of where we were performing and it would be super violent and physical. Of course, these are all things we agreed to and we created firsthand. Um, and so we went and played in New York at this, uh, I love the people that run it. It was called nothing changes. 
the people that ran it were great, but uh, we went and played in New York at this industrial night and the people that came um, were basically what happened was usually we had like a full performance where there's music and then it devolves into the, the performative aspect where I'm uh, being super violent with Amelia. And uh, what happened though was the PA blew and there wasn't enough time to figure out a replacement. So uh, Amelia just looked at me and said, let's do an acoustic set. So uh, it was about like 10 minutes of super violent performance. And of course, this is a, a woman who wrote this performance with me, created it with me. But what happened was I've never experienced, like after it was over, I looked up and there was just a hundred people that would like wanted to kill me. Like I wanted to kill Amelia too. Like yeah. she got up, people ran up to us, the student was screaming at me. Um, she, some people immediately were like, why didn't you have a trigger warning? Why didn't you ever, this isn't, this is supposed to be the most extreme industrial shit, right? Yeah, you right. Have had a, you should have had a trigger warning. Now we want you to give, give us a long uh, explanation for the meaning of this performance. Oh my God. And I mean, it was like, fuck you, I'm getting out of here. So we actually yeah. left, but yeah. uh, the, of course, all our phones blew up. There was a bunch of people making posts on the internet about, you know, you took it too far. There was also plenty of friends that were completely defended us. In the end, you know, it all turned out okay. But to me, it was this perfect example of these dilettantes, for lack of a better word, that, you know, got off on their tumblers reblogging old throbbing gristle posters or whatever. But when it actually came down to us trying to do something we love, you didn't have to agree with it or like it. You know, it's a performance. I'm not trying to say it was the greatest thing in the world, but whatever it was, it deeply upset them um, so much so that, you know, the places we played later on that tour, people got like warned about us. Um, in the end, it was like a, a good thing to me because it was an example of that kind of, the exact kind of hypocrisy that you're talking about. Oh yeah, and the hypocrisy of like, uh, you know, suddenly now they don't care about consent. They fetishize consent and then there's clear consent. It's the most clear it could possibly be. And then no, doesn't matter anymore because they're you know offended by it. They were implying, and this was women saying this, that essentially Amelia couldn't have come up with this performance as a woman. I mean, that's the most insane thing I've ever. Heard. <laughs> it's so crazy, and I think, well, that's the whole thing. Is like, to me, it's like the way that like liberals have just kind of like infiltrated everything, mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily like, you know, like there's no skin in the game. It's like. It's just the, I I just feel like it's just, again, it just goes back to this really basic, like the most basic philosophy. It's just Nietzsche shit of like, well, like, where do you find good in in the the bare essence of humanity? Like, Mm -hmm. where is that? Like, a lot of these things are like when, you know, a lot of like the people in like universities and academia where they talk about stuff is like, everything's a social construct. It's like, did you ever come to think that you're, concept of humanism and like goodwill is also a social construct did you ever think that like maybe there there's some order that came out of that as well and it's like and i think that's like a big problem with people is i think that they just don't want to admit that they're willing to go to these places and i think people really need a mirror like they need a reflection to be like no like this is actually you it's like the whole thing with trump it's like so if Trump is a narcissist and he holds up a mirror to your face mm-hmm. and you know, you're like some like 
you know, attractive, you know, proper young lady who lives in an urban environment. And you see that reflection being this grotesque orange person who's operating under the same sort of like, basically right. like modes of functioning as you. There's like, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, yeah, and, but there's an right. enjoyment in it too. Like you just want to show them. Like it's, no. like it's so fun, you know, like. I mean, I don't see... I don't see the difference between Trump going on an egotistical tweet storm and a guy or a girl on Instagram losing their mind about how they're a victim or this is wrong, how someone needs to Venmo them ASAP um, (laughs) because of something. um, And just also being horribly mean, like people that the same kind of people that just wait for somebody to comment something or go into other people and just like, have horrible, just negative, dark arguments. It's the same. Yeah. That's, that is Trump behavior. So yeah, exactly. It's a mirror of this this narcissism. And I think it's amazing to me whether you know that some of these people might talk about anarchism or communism. I, I I grew up going to info shops as a kid and in anarchist spaces and people literally being on their phones all day. Um, in branding themselves to the most capitalistic mode I've ever seen in my life. Um, And to me, it's amazing. I mean, maybe it's such an obvious image, but imagining any of these people um, of my generation, whether even also people on the right who have this kind of, on the far right, let's say that have a kind of like, uh, I'm going to go out on the land and like, Oh yeah. uh, I'm going to create a farm and we're going to do whatever alone. but these people are like just on their phones all day. If someone like handed you the pitchfork and said like, let's start like building the co-op, there's no way any of that. Would yeah, happen, totally. You know? I think, I think the anarcho primitivist stuff is just like, it's like the ultimate sad LARP. And I'm not like fully against LARPing. Like I'm all for like these things of like, you try to create a, a, a ritual, even though it's a failure, but it cre- but it's a part of a, a mimetic and mimesis. And right. it's a part of like a chaotic process that then takes on new forms in the world. Like that's different than just being like, all right, like I have this, because I feel like a lot of the problem with that is like this essentialist view of nature. And it's like, nature does not give a fuck. It's a fucking retard with, retard strength it's dumb and blind it doesn't give a fuck about you like the whole promethean project of mankind is basically like we're at a constant war with nature and so i think and and we're at a war and as we become aware of our own capacity for awareness Mm -hmm. we're at war with our own inherent nature Right, right so we literally are embodying this like jihad where we're mm-hmm. at war with our human nature and we're at war with the the titans of, of like outer nature mm-hmm. of like fucking, you know, rocks crushing us and shit. And right, right, yeah, yeah. And so, and so I think it's like to, to even live as a civilized person is almost to like, you know, live and function as like a jihadi and like right, to right. not acknowledge that like is right. kind of crazy to me and it's like not really genuine or whatever well right it, it, i think there's it's amazing that these specific kind of ideologies whether they're that let's say like they're the most kind of extreme we're gonna have a revolution and in the ashes of that we're gonna create whatever it's like an anarcho-primitive society or something on the other like side I think, yeah, it's, 
it's interesting that none of these people even see that just existing is this huge battle, even where we are right now. And yeah. I and I don't even. But what's amazing is I guess we've gotten to a level where people are so comfortable, and everything is so comfortable for them that they can have like LARPs or fantasies or whatever you want to call it, where they can sit on their phone and write up in a group chat, like their hundred page utopian project. That's never yeah. going to happen. You know, I respect <laughs> people that just go out and do whatever they're going to do, like live their life and, and work their ass off to survive. Those are the people totally. that, are, that are heroes. But yeah. I think it's truly, you know, maybe we've all played too many video games where there's just this kind of, it's so, of course it's a masturbatory fun thing to do to be like, okay, man, in the group chat. So when the revolution happens, you're going to go here, we're going to do this. Like that's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But it's, it's uh, for me, at least it's interesting to see how, how it all plays out, how all these people communicate with each other. Well, that's why I kind of think it's fun to like do something like, Instead of saying you're going to start a revolution, like, you know, just start a gun club with your buddies. Like, just go to the shooting range, you know? Like, that's enough to to piss people off in general, you know? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, you know, just engage with these things. Even just, like, on a really, just on a genuine, like, I, hey, I'm interested in doing this thing level. It's like, you know, like, you don't have to write like, because personally, I don't think there is an end to history. I think history is like, you know, it's just eternal recurrence shit. You know, it's like, we're always going through cycles. It's like, so you have a project and a utopian project. Let's say it gets really far, but bam, like something 20 times worse than coronavirus happens. Right. And then all of your plans that, and this is why like dialectics are kind of like flawed as like a, basic thing it's like you cannot synthesize everything because nature doesn't give a fuck about your doesn't want to have a conversation with right you. right like it's not it's not willing to negotiate with you viruses so like basically it's like well we have to like in my opinion it's like well we have to find comfort in like complete extreme disc uncomfortable images and ideas and thoughts and like right. to me like that's what's like really important and people like they don't want to go there and they'll say, well, you're a bad person. And if they say you're a bad person, then you're not going to get X, Y, and Z thing out of society. Well, also, I mean, like realizing sometimes uh, how dark pacifying pastel, flat, matte, color, design, minimalism, all those things, those are really scary when you think about them. You know, like the, the aesthetics of, of Apple or the we transfer page when you're sending something or like they're really, you know, like, you know, they have this like sedative effect and they have this. So like, everything so has a sedative effect. It's like that's <laughs> what they want for you. Like yeah. they just. I mean, for me, what's interesting is like as, you know, even going going back to like just start a gun club with your friends or just go do go feed homeless people or create a sewing circle, whatever version of that, because to me, when I was 18 and 19 and going to these uh like info shops for anarchist bookstores and stuff like that. The thing that disgusted me, and this is the early 2000s, was that ultimately you saw these kids, they would all go to protests. They'd all go to the like different G8 or something like that. And then they'd all brag when they came back, came back how they got arrested for two days or whatever. Yeah. And it was just horrifying because you realized, oh, they don't care about any of the stuff they're talking about. It's just a lifestyle thing. It's like someone going to yeah. India and taking a bunch of Instagram pictures. So for me, as a, as a kid, I went, well, all I can do is live my life 
in like the true the way that I see fit as a moral or ethical you know these are the rules I set for myself if I believe in anarchism or whatever I believe in I'll just try to live my life the best I can and so for me of course it was being interested in art and books that spoke to me in a personal way um but I think you know that's like probably the best you can do is to live by those modes at least for me to um to create you know, if I love, I wanted art to not be something that was super expensive and only for awful art collectors, yeah. tax write-offs or whatever. So yeah. I said, I want to make tapes that are $5. I want to sell a hundred LPs for $12 to some people so that art isn't just this completely removed thing that nobody else can kind of put into their lives. So for me, that's a triumph, um, in a, even in a political sense that, Hopefully, people can cheaply, as cheap as possible, have access to that. Um, and maybe yeah. someone would say, "Like, no, that's that's like a hundred people. That's fifty people or two hundred people." But that's that's okay for me. That's the goal that I that that works for me. You know? Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I mean, that's why we kind of started putting out these like CDR booklet things. Oh, it's yeah. just like make it as cheap as possible. You know, like. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, practicing, practicing the principles in all your affairs or whatever right. that they fucking that I, that I got from AA. And, you know, I have a lot of misgivings about AA just in terms of like personality and program and like shit like that. But like, I do think that it is like really important to just basically like, if you mean something like, don't even apologize for it. Right. Just never say sorry. A. And B, it's like one thing that I, I see is like, again, it's like goes back to that thing of like, like, you know, like I got into like music or whatever, just because like I saw, yeah, like I saw it as like an alternative to like, basically like the art world, you know, like, right, right. Yeah. Cause like, I was like into art when I was younger and I went to art school and I got my scholarship revoked because I was like really bad. And I, I did some like trans... I did some like trivializing acrylic paintings of famous feminist art that like triggered <laughs> some people and I was selling like drugs and that was a no-no and uh but yeah I just was kind of like you know what I'm tired of like the way in which like none of this stuff like actually fucking matters like I'm just gonna like play in like a metal band like right. I don't really care right know? right and then that takes you off a whole other path and then you know, you go through all these different things in your life and it's like, but I think like, that's what makes stuff like pretty interesting and cool. And like a lot of these Twitter people who are like, you know, Twitter theorists, Twitter philosophers, like they, they're living the alienation that gives rise to their own sort of like right. personal, but it's like, as someone who like came from like the music subculture as you have, as like Alex have, like we all, you know, mm -hmm. like, I've already seen my like little world get ripped apart uh, yeah, and destroyed yeah, yeah. in front of my eyes. So yeah. like no micro political, theoretical, philosophical movement that you can <laughs> rip apart right, will right, right. ever phase me because I had already right. like fallen for, like I'd already lost my innocence. Like I've already fallen from grace, but through right. that, like I've gained like other freedoms of being like, no, like, you may call this nihilism or like pessimism to think that there's any kind of like outside or there's anything you can keep for yourself. But like, 
I don't personally like I'm cool with that. Like I just want to like function and so far so good. Like, Hell I yeah. to, you know, like I get yeah, to yeah. live the way I want and I live cheaply and like do the kind of shit I want to fucking do. And I just make it work. You know? Right. And, like, yeah. And that's, that's enough for me, you know? Yes. Like, yes. But yeah, that's no, awesome. it's, it's sick. You know, I relate I'm, to that completely. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as I'm able to function on that level, I don't really care about anything else mm-hmm. because that's, that's actually how you build like a, like something bigger than yourself. It's like the problem with a lot of like, with this kind of like attention economy is like people put themselves behind the projects that they're necessarily like working on. It's like, if I can do something with like a collective of people and just be this like nameless, you know, person that's kind of like oscillating in the background it's like i get a lot out of that because other people are like they're being risen up also like you're taking everyone instead of this like it's just this kind of like way in which people they have to demonize each other in order to gain the recognition it takes so that when they do publish their big book or they do drop their big essay or drop their album that it won't fall on deaf ears but like that's like totally kind of like antithetical to the way and it's it's kind of devoid of faith, you know, like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like there's no faith, there's no there's no faith involved in that, you know. Right, it's right. Like, to me, that's kind of like weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your wh- where are you at with like live right now? Like, are you are you feeling good on live? Or are you feeling more about like more on, on like recording and uh, just like what uh, Barrett was talking about? My little scene of noise people all got ripped apart for various reasons not even like the usual this person got canceled but people back stabbing each other in the back or whatever um so but there are still people pre-corona i'm hoping post that that uh book shows and have spaces but um it's like i in this room that i'm in i'm sure people i don't know when they listen to it they can't see me but behind me there's some old copy machines um i just kind of exist this is a world where i we can record we can make the art that uh, goes to the releases and it's kind of a self-sustaining thing. So I I still love playing live shows, but um, I think it, you know, one thing I'm sure everyone knows this and talks about this is like, it feels like people don't really go see live stuff as much. Maybe that's why festivals are so huge because the only way to get a shit ton of people to go to like a show is to have like 500 bands play. So like everyone shows up. Of course there's plenty of shows where there are a lot of people, but you know, when I went, was going, you know, I'm just saying that world of, hey, it's Saturday, we have nothing to do, let's just go to a bar, or there, maybe there's a show, I don't know who the band is, but instead, I'm guilty of this too, whatever, you can go be on your phone or watch Netflix or uh, immediately listen to that band that you might have gone and saw and gone, oh wait, they're terrible, whatever. Um, so where it seems like less people go out, less people see music, that itself is interesting and kind of scary um, just because, you know, and it obviously it's just sad that less people want to like interact in a live setting um, with yeah. art or music. Um, but at the same time, you know, I get it. Everything's awful, <laughs> no, but, but like, uh, but just what I've seen is, is you've got 
way less people. If you want a show to happen, it's got to have way more bands attached to it, or you know, it, it has to be really, really promoted well. I don't know. I was gonna say, except that it's it's strange that people don't have to worry about like you know, people are all talking about like how they're worried about missing out, but you never miss out if you're like if you're on your phone and you're scrolling and you feel good. And anyway, you don't have to worry about anything. What do you feel like about like um, I don't know if hierarchy is the right word or like passing down from older to younger, I mean, because I feel like that was a big part of music for me would be like, you know, obviously there's this this time where heroes exist to you and then the heroes get, you get disenchanted maybe on the heroes when you interact with them and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you, like, like do you, do you feel like there are like lineages going in like your corner where you're seeing like younger people that like are into the, or do you feel like it's something that's like related to generation, generationally more like, there's still like young kids that always will be coming out and creating something. And I always try to support them like different projects that I put out um, because I just want to be that nice guy that says, Hey, like, what are you doing? What are you making? Oh, Hey, let's, let's release this as a tape of 50. And I, cause that's all I want to do is create something positive um, because you know, it, I think the things that suck are when you're a young kid and you're, whether it's punk or noise or whatever, and there's some person just being an asshole to you, some older person. So I always try to support, there's probably less people though. That's what I will say is there's still kids that show up that have been exposed. Like we all talked about, maybe it was a conversation a lot, five to 10 years ago, like, Oh wow. Like now you can go on soul seek or whatever, and you can download every band's discography and yeah. you, you can hear it. Um, and so, you know, I, the kids that are younger than me, I was born in 87. So I, I was starting, yeah, I was starting yeah. to meet kids that were born in the mid nineties. And, you know, that for me, it was like a mix of finding stuff online, but also just having to go to a record store and talk to the guy at the counter and be like, Hey, what should I listen to if I liked this record and discovering stuff? So to me, it's kind of sad that that realm of discovery sometimes feels dead to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, at least that, in like, yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big thing for me too. Like just feeling like I could, you know, there's this whole world and then like I could find comfort in like, like I remember when I was a kid, one of the biggest, most informative things was like digging through my dad and my grandpa's old records. Right. When I was a kid and being like, what's this? And they would have like 13 floor elevators and velvet underground right. and like my and this was like my dad and right, i was right. like like you like this shit and he was like yeah and he would you know he had like all kinds of far out shit like That's super so out there like hot like you know he like turned me on to like Hawkwind and like all this like funk shit and now i just see it and i'm like it's just everywhere you know right, it's like right. you you, you kind of go i mean and even though it's like been you it's ubiquitous and it's been democratized i try to see it as like well like and this is kind of why i listen to so much like new country and like soundcloud rap and shit right because right. i'm just kind of like this is like i don't know like for some reason like this hasn't like sold out to me in a weird yeah, way oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's just like too new and just even like the fact that it's like novel and using like new technology or something like that <laughs> oh, it's yeah, just like yeah enough for me to be like and if it if it bangs hard you know like oh yeah like i'm down like and so i think i think it's like pretty it's like but it is weird just being like okay like i i discover this thing but it is cool because like all these gen z kids are like super fucking cool and they're not like yeah. oversensitive and shit i would say i think what's interesting is like a mix of both it's like 
the, for me, like in some ways, the mystery is gone of like discovering things. But then of course, like a younger kid can just like go and like read a million articles about, I don't know, uh, nurse, the nurse with wound list and can like hear yeah. and find every single band. But the one thing that, that, and then people make amazing art. But then I think the other side to that is like, people get super just like cynical and burnt out. They're like, yeah, I know what like the early psychedelic movement was in Texas. I read about that one day. You know, yeah. and you're like, oh, sh-. I mean, just like the feeling of, you know, are you really watching that movie? Like, did you really see it when you're like on your phone reading an article or whatever? I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, where it's like you don't fully get get it all in you. You know what I mean? There- and like, do, do you have your own opinion or are you judging something because you saw a starter pack meme that put the noise record next to the, you know, uh, whatever bad boyfriend or something, you know, things can be. You, you can consume them really fast and then let them go. So there's so many conversations that I've had with people that are like, yeah, I know about like that book or that film. Uh, I, I read some articles and that's another kind of interesting news thing. It's like, in some ways it's cool, I guess, that there's this internet kind of hyperlink context of being able to read a reaction for a film or understand the cultural context of lucifer rising or something like that instead when i saw the holy mountain or el topo or kenneth anger stuff i just saw it and i didn't know all the the like little clues and the the references to different religions or occult shit and it, i it took me multiple years of watching it and then finding books and articles and going oh whoa uh like Jodorowsky was interested in this when he was making The Holy Mountain. But in a way, so it's like a kid can immediately read an article about The Holy Mountain, see all the the references and the interests that someone like Jodorowsky has and think they get it, but they totally don't. You know, yeah. like, and, and that I think is the scary part. But at the same time, one kid might spend uh, six months studying it for free and he didn't have to go to... Uh, a university to access that information. So totally. that, that kind of utopian version of what the internet can be is still there, you know? Yeah, I I really agree. And I think, but it's just kind of like, it's it's what you do with it. You right, know what right, I mean? right. So, so it's, like, it's like, at one hand, like I am actually, like the sort of way in which information has been democratized has been you know, not just, you know, economics have played a a big part in it too, but like, that's been kind of the thing that's been like destroying our institutional gatekeepers. You know, it's, it, that's the thing that's like made possible, like actual new things. Like there are ways to be like, not so fatalistic about it and not just kind of take this whole like, you know, cop out approach to culture. It's like, no, like what happens when like, a SoundCloud rapper from Chicago finds death in June. Right, 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 right. Like, right. Yeah, very, that's very, very possible, you know? Right. And 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 I guarantee it's already happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, so, like, I just think in a lot of ways, like, you have people, they're just operating. People just have two different operating systems. You have this kind of, like, old, established, kind of, like, old-fashioned-y way of, like, talking and thinking about things, and then you have this, like, newer way of thinking about things, and these people that are operating on this, like, really meta, hyper level, mm-hmm. and you see it in, like, the shortening of attention spans, but the also the ability to, like, 
synthesize all these other layers right. of reality and mm-hmm. millennials i think like people my age like we were kind of caught in the middle yeah, of yeah. like the old way and the new way because it was kind of thrust upon us yes, like i remember yes. as a kid like i didn't really have the internet that much at all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like that wasn't like a way in which i found out about cool shit i found right. out about cool shit by like going to a record store and reading magazines and mm-hmm. like taking the bus and like taking my time to actually do it so when all this stuff was thrust upon me, I was like, this is great. Like I get to, now I get to take all this stuff and I get to like identify with it even more. But with everything on the internet, you know, there's like a toxic side to that. Too. Right, right. Yeah. Of course. Right. So. No, it's, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I, I love spending, I spend a lot of time just watching weird, small, uh, groups of people interact with each other i know online i love to like see you know the i don't know if you guys have heard of like the awful internet blood sports community like uh, <laughs> like uh the streamer ethan ralph like that that dude anyway they they always have like long streams where they're screaming over each other there's so much drama that's like super horrible like meaningless um, recently on YouTube, there's a bunch of like bigger people that are like losing their minds. It's it's amazing because I have no dog in the game, horse in the game, yeah. or any of this yeah, the yeah. race. But so like just as a, a as a person, I love to watch how everyone communicates and interacts. You know, instead of sports, you have a whole generation of like Gen Z people losing their mind over whether Jeffrey Star is going to get canceled tomorrow or not, or like. Uh, H3H3 versus Gakeem Star last night they, there's a video that got dropped and they're like going after each other and there's mm-hmm. huge subreddits of people arguing over who's bad and who's good or like yeah in this weird right wing sphere there's these insanely surreal streams where like this dude Dick Masterson who runs this like podcast recently yeah. some some texts got out about him and like a girlfriend and so all the kids that love him were like well this proves he's a simp or whatever but yeah. Dick Masterson's friends these right wing streamer streamer kind of guys didn't call him out on it so now all the kids think there's a conspiracy but they didn't call their friend out so there literally was like multiple hundreds of pages, like thousands of threads about who really is a simp and who really is like deserving to, who's like the true conspiracy person. And none of it means anything, of course. Of course, this is all an extension of like tabloid culture, but it's amazing to see this new version of it of like, hey mom, I love this like streamer guy uh, who I watch all day and night and, uh, you know, this guy might be a simp mom. I'm worried about it. Like, what are we going to do? And I, yeah, I stay, I I stay away from E arguments. I'm, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm really against it. Like I'll watch it. I'll watch it unfold. But you know, you, I see it a lot with like, you know, the kind of like arcane Twitter community people that, um, you know, function out of like the sort of like political philosophical, avatar theme of of stuff and i I see it unfold a lot and there's a lot of like there's a lot of miscalculations and there are a lot of people who just you know but they're operating a lot of these people who like came from twitter who came from specifically like platforms like reddit and twitter Mm -hmm. their entire forms of engagement are basically just dictated by like who can say something about somebody else 
to get right, that right. sort of attention, whether it's completely true or, or made up or whatever. Because it's still related to owning. It's all about owning someone. It's all about the one, the the kill shot thing that, you know. And I, I don't I don't personally really like that. And there's not a lot yeah, of yeah. Like, there's not a lot of truth or honesty in it. And it's like, and yeah. I feel like I've seen it and people who I've like previously respected, they just go to these like low levels of just like subbing each other. Just, oh, yeah. just, just for the sake of it. And I'm like, you know, I'm really against it. And it's like, but at the same time, it's like, so what they do is they try and turn all accusations that are levied upon themselves against somebody else. Right, right, right. And, but, but in the process of doing that, they also then expose like a latent obsession with the subject that they hate. And right, also right. the fact that they are actually that person. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, the thing that they're actually uh, like accusing everyone, like they make it real, like they actually right. make it exist in the world. And I think, yeah, no, it's I so dark. It's, it's dark. super fucking dark. Yeah. No, yeah, I refuse to have internet arguments. You know, I had that enough like 2015. And that when you, I started to realize like this is all this Same. is doing is making me feel super depressed, super bad in, in my heart, whatever you want to call it. So I was like, oh, I'm yeah, never, I'm never going to do this. So it's, it's interesting. It's the worst feeling. I, I'm curious what you guys think though, about like the vibe of, cause like I do love like AM radio rage monologue vibes. And I actually think there's something really vital. Well, rage oh, yeah. monologues are awesome. And that's the thing, but that's the thing about like Alex Jones, why it transcends into, it, it becomes kind of performance art. Because oh, yeah, it's yeah. like because he's acting out of this like charismatic zeal, but he's it's but he's acting as a sole person in and of himself. Oh yeah, oh, I, but he's not like just sitting there arguing with people. Like, well, I think that's it's it's. Well, I'll say that like I don't want to. I don't like when it inject myself into any argument, but I love analyzing and dissecting them. And one thing I'll also say about Alex Jones is like I'm from Austin, so yeah. I grew up with Alex Jones on our cable access. And back in the 90s, his whole thing was prison planet. So you'd say prison planet, prison planet, black helicopters, prison planet. And so it's interesting because it's like I always knew about this dude and, you know, his game and, and what I have no necessarily Alex Jones is an actor and he does what he does. Uh, and he in Austin, he said it many times that he doesn't believe the thing, whatever that means, what you believe or not, who believes anything they're saying. But but um, I think it was amazing for me just in a personal way to see the cultural awareness of Alex Jones grow. And yeah. uh, I was like, wait, no, this guy's the guy from public access in Austin. And, uh, and, and you know, it, what happens, what happened. Um, but although on a, like another note, it's to me the the only ultimate cool thing he ever did is how he, you know, went into the Boho Grove with uh, that, that journalist, John Ronson, I think. Oh yeah. Was. I've seen those VHSs. There's yeah. It's it's just anyway, it's just weird how like I mean I guess it's, I don't know fuck whatever Alex Jones but like that is insane that they did that side yeah like, in a jackass kind of way you know just yeah. like in a hey dude let's fucking film the giant owl thing it all right we did it they did it that's well that's whatever. what I like is I like when people are like actually they're just like we did it you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I did this thing <laughs> yeah. and like obviously like by doing something in the world like that or like doing anything it's like once you're able to like identify something so strongly with something like that you're inevitably gonna just like get a bunch of shit like when you did that performance and yeah. and people were like why didn't you issue a trigger warning i'm like <laughs> like 
you know, it's like you're wearing what, like black leather gloves. (laughs) Why the fuck do you need a trigger warning? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like that's the whole thing. It's like, do you think throbbing gristle or you know, like all these bands, like all these, all these bands that are are you like pastiche now and like a part of your like, you know, identity identity or whatever? Well, that's the thing. But another thing about identity is like an identity politics in general is like. I think the reason why identity politics are so big is because like in a world where like people our age can't really own anything, like mm-hmm. your identity is like all you have. Right. So right, it's right. very easy to sell somebody this idea of like identity, like identity is some set thing. And that, that's why I love young thug or whatever is because oh, yeah, yeah. he's just like, I'm going to wear a dress with an Uzi in it. And I oh, don't yeah. care about my pronoun. I'm just going to do it. No, no, he's amazing. He's amazing. Like, that's why I like shit like that, where, like, you can engender the spirit of, like, anything you want. Like, that's that's totally cool. That's totally great. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, once you reduce things to, like, the word, then you're basically just, like, you've you've given up a part of something. Well, yeah, and I think it goes back to that kind of academic thing of, like, you know, reducing everything to this essay that – these are the symbols. These, this is the, these are the references. And young thug wearing the dress represents X, Y, and Z because of who he is. And it's like that's so off. Just taking it and turning into that. Yeah. I don't. Did you I, see that? I saw this like re- this academic essay about like the queering of drones and and like shit right. like that. Well, right, like, it becomes like white noise. Like you know the yeah. that book. It's like this crazy self parody. Um, and instead of letting things kind of be the actually going back because I kind of wanted to mention this this guy Alan Rob Grillet this uh yeah 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 nouveau roman writer uh he has this great book called, uh that's like essays that he wrote about called for a new novel he wrote in the 60s um and there's like a some really interesting uh things he wrote about uh trying to stop you know he was sick of all these novels that were essentially everything had been critiqued to a point where if there's a character holding a mirror, then this is what it represents and that's all it will ever be. So Alan Rob Grillet, uh takes, decides to say like, no, 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 in my mind, the world isn't a bunch of, the world has always been there. Trees, grass, the ocean existed before I did. So he had this concept of, I'm going to write novels in the most objective way possible where I just describe uh, those trees and those rocks. And then whatever whatever the reader decides to project onto it that's their kind of thing um and so you get these really i don't know if you've ever read his stuff but like you get these really weird dreamlike novels where he's describing the makeup of a room for like 20 pages yeah um, but there's a uh, he also got into like uh i just wanted to find this like small uh little part Mishima is kind of like that too yeah 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 I you know I I need to I actually I've read a little bit I know of course I know who he is uh, I but I don't know enough to like deeply talk about his work Uh, yeah but I I but I think that's kind of cool like a guy I like who's a Texan is Frederick Bartholme and I I like I like Donald who is like kind of the founder of like the kitchen sink realism where he would talk about these really mundane things and he was playing he was a drummer in the red crayola oh original drummer and you know 
he his brother Donald was like you know big postmodern fiction writer you know mm-hmm. who wrote these and you know he just said he was like he he was like I saw a, a rotisserie chicken on the floor of a supermarket mm-hmm. just like on the ground uh-huh. and that moment I realized I had to write about normal everyday people and situations right right because there's like something beautiful and like you know, it's kind of like perverse and the even the idea of just like seeing a rotisserie chicken like yeah, yeah, yeah. lying on the fucking bo- ground of a suit right. of a market or whatever. Well, I think that's what's yeah. amazing. That's what's interesting. It's like I love like something like say like last exit to Brooklyn. Um, and it's like brute it's it's desire to like encapsulate the brutality and the profanity of the city or whatever. And it's yeah. so perfect for me. Or there's this film um called that Gary Oldman did in the nineties, Nil by Mouth. Uh I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's uh I haven't seen that one. It's amazing. It's Gary Oldman, the only film he's ever directed, but it's like he made it as a reflection of growing up in working class England, and it's just everyone's a fucking alcoholic screaming at each other. It's just a brutal realism. It's Ray Winstone's in it. It's That's really, like really firm. great. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, like Alan Clark, who's like Alan a similar Clark dude. Is, yeah. yeah, I love Alan Clark. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. No, totally. And, and I, I just love shit like that, where it's just like, well, that's kind of why, like, you know, I kind of got into all this, like, weird political theory stuff and, like, like autodidact stuff and I went to like the new center is kind of like because I just was like interested in all this like theory shit and right now right now I'm just kind of like you know I just want to write my kind of like kind of fucked up smut short fiction and shit about like ex-girlfriends and like (laughs) stuff that can like like dudes can relate to you know and it's like that's why people love Michelle Hoelbeck that's why people like you know, Chroma by Frederick Bartholomew. That's why people like Alan Clark, like that there's like something in those things that I yeah. think. No, like, and I, I think what's interesting for me in my, is that I, I like love this like super, I've always talked about this, like the super hyper brutal real kind of stuff. And then on like the other end of the spectrum, I, I love this, this kind of like super surreal, um, strange like this Alan Rob Relay guy an example he gave is he's he's rejecting all these social realist novels he hates them he thinks they're lies he's saying you know and the ultimate example for him is in the 60s you know JFK gets shot in this he talks about how he became obsessed with the report that got written about JFK's assassination right I forgot what the name of it yeah um, the, is. Uh, what's the what's the guy's name uh the so he like gets, he, I forget, he like gets super obsessed with the report and he starts being obsessed with the fact that all these details change based on, you know, who is, is a witness. and Zip Bruder. Oh yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Film. yeah, yeah. And like, uh, Alan Robert starts talking about how he also be, is like obsessed with detective novels, like traditional detective novels, but how he's, the objects, whether it's like a broken piece of glass or like a fingerprint, all these things can kind of be shuffled around and, uh, there's like, you know, it's ultimately this super kind of dreamlike, uh, hyper sub- subjective kind of interior shit. But anyway, that's what's interesting to me is I there's like, I can move between those two places where it's hyper brutal, profane, real, and then also being completely obsessed with this super clean, uh, I you know, interior kind of thing yeah that's that's like how i uh, same 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's actually really interesting because I feel like I don't have much middle ground. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like I just like like I love like noir stuff and detective shit. Yeah. And, like Raymond yeah. Chandler, especially yeah. like you know because I'm from LA. Oh yeah. And it, and it was like when I was a kid, you could kind of see that everywhere. Now that coronavirus is back and it's kind of like a little bit of a ghost town again. Yeah. Which yeah. I really like. You're right. You know. Um, I'm starting to like fall back into that stuff and like appreciate like the topography of things and like all the like small things. Well, also like, but that's the whole thing is it's like, I feel like most people like they want to live in this like weird space of like everything's data and it's all being shoved down your throat. And it's all about identity. It's all about personality, but mm-hmm. like, but like violence is like, but both like extreme violence and extreme like, surrealism or minimalism is like a way of like absolving yourself of the need for like right. any kind of like identification at all right where there's you know it's like all there is is this like real but then also there is is the kind of interior thoughts that we have these two extreme dennis cooper's style is very like it's so like because it'll be really brutal and it's but it's really true and there's almost something peaceful about like how true it is and how like and it's really refined no no yeah we're uh I was reading a chapter from this book guide where there's a character, you know, he's with this hustler boy and they're like fucking the dudes on heroin and they're watching a porn film that the dude stars in. And there's this kind of weird projected objectifying of the kid as he's objectifying himself. But anyway, but there's this brutal violence, but then also this hyper clean, uh, almost like all there is, is these interior thoughts. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I love about Dennis Cooper. And also, I don't know if you guys that uh, have ever read Eden, Eden, Eden. It's by this guy, Pierre. I'm sure I'll butcher the name, Goyota. Um, no, but I he's he's actually a really interesting guy. And Dennis Cooper, I've read Safe. Oh, right, uh, right. That's, that's the only Dennis Cooper book I've, I've actually read, though. That was a long time ago. Yeah. No, it's worth just reading the whole cycle or, or, and also side note, just the whole thing that happened with Dennis Cooper with Google deleting his. Oh yeah. That was crazy. Which, which was just interesting. I mean, somehow it got solved. Thank God. But that was amazing. Just in terms of like free speech stuff and the way that these corporations can hold on to your data and just be like, oops, it was a mistake. We thought we saw something illegal, but it wasn't actually. Dennis Cooper is kind of like, he comes from that sort of like dandyish queer school of like being really politically incorrect. Oh yeah. I mean, there's like a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a great example. I don't know. I always am trying to look up more information about it, but I know when he released his, I think his second book, Frisk, um, I think a lot of uh, queer organizations in the nineties actually were talking about firebombing his, uh, his book signings. I could be wrong, but I know they at least protested it to work because Dennis Cooper wasn't a reflection of what the right kind of queer person would be. Right. Because he wrote about all this violence and sex and stuff, um, which is amazing to think about because, but uh, you know, he's, there's a, I have like a book of his collages where he donated like some giant book of all his early writings and collages and scribbles to some kind of like artistic library uh, that was like, I don't know if it was like a punk, it was like a kind of like a punk library type place. And he came back to look at it and like, you know, a huge amount of the pages has been ripped out. Right. Anyway. No. Yeah. But I just, I like the relationship between those dual, those like polar places, like like Pasolini, you know, who could make the the gospel of St. Matthew 
right. which is like just the most beautiful fucking like religious film I've ever seen. Right. And then do the Sod's 120 yeah. Days of Sodom, right. which is like set, you know, sallow era, right. you know, I mean, it's- fascist aristocratic Italy with just all the gnarliest shit you could yeah. imagine. No, yeah. totally. No, like, exactly. Um, and also that to me, that film is like just so beautiful in terms of its like pageantry. Even that film, even Solo to me is like all yeah. the like huge like rituals and, and pageantry they go through. Is, or like, like Arabian movie. Nights, you know? Yeah, and, I, yeah. and, and he was like, his Pasolini is like one of my favorites, you know? He's like yeah. one of my favorite writers and he's probably maybe definitely one of my favorite directors yeah i love fassbender i love sam peck and paw you know like i love shit like that um but there's always this thing of like you know there's like there's always like the the polarity and there's always that like finding a balance between these extremes and i think politically you're starting to see like a lot of people you know like it's like the horse shoe theory of politics but you could apply that to like art and culture right right and just existence in general and it's like living in that space i think is like a really fun place to be even though it's like fucked up that you're like living on the edge of the horseshoe and like everybody else in the middle is just like what the fuck is wrong with you dude you know like i just i just find it being like that you could tap into both those like right places and they and they could be like equally serene in a weird way right right no it's like equally helpful you know to other people and right it's kind of a trip you know yeah yeah no it's also cool because i feel like the way that like yeah it's just interesting that yeah what you're involved with is like you know in this extreme category but i feel like the way you're talking about it is like it's very like humble and practical and 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 like good in this way like i just think easy to say that it's good as in like it's just like you you know what you're like i don't know like just like i guess like you know who your flock is and and yeah no and i think i mean i think it's so easy and i can make fun of myself and other people to be like the kind of edgy noise guy or the edgy like i'm into this really extreme stuff but for me like it's this was something that I found that wasn't, a, I, you know, I'm not, not to say I don't love stuff like Gigi Allen that's just shocking for shock's sake. And I can uh, appreciate that for what it is. But a lot of this work to me was taught, it was dealing with something that I was interested in, in myself. And so therefore me being able to consume the work and then dissect the work uh, was something beautiful and uh, important and yeah, and hopeful and, um, hopefully being able to communicate then when I make my own arc with other people in a positive way. Um, I think there's, but there are so many people and plenty of people that are just like, Oh, I, I read this dude. Isn't this so fucked up? I mean, that's just like boring, throw that in the trash. It doesn't, you know, if that's yeah. the same thing as anyone just saying, uh, you know, I read whatever theorist and I know everything, you know, and they, they don't really, want to talk about the work or deal with the work uh, it's just about their well it's like this false it's like a false initiation of like look i'm initiated i said the word of this thing now now i'm this or i refuse to say the word of this thing like if there was a there was such a long period of time where if you mentioned nick land oh, right, that right. was like the end if you <laughs> right, right. Defe- if you even defended nick land in any way and you know i've been a reader of land for like a while right uh you know when it was like definitely not popular to right. like 
be interested in right. shit like that. Right, right. And it wasn't that I agreed with it, but I'm like, well, why can't I just engage with this? Well, yeah, yeah, but, of course. But of it's course. funny because now it's like you see, and it's like he's basically people are like, oh, he's just a neoliberal, he's harmless, and we can make uh, like a million memes about it. Yeah, him. no, there's plenty of like hype super uber less people that I'm sh- now they read land and, and they'll Yeah, talk very about seriously. Him. Yeah, yeah. And talk and about then, him. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. And I think that's what's what's weird is like it's slowly some people are starting to understand like, Hey, like you can interact with art and music and all kinds of stuff that you don't necessarily, I'm not this person's best friend. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying everything that, and it's like slowly some people are getting that, which is good, but it's, it's just, it's like, man, it took you this long to figure out this like super simple thing. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. Gosh. Well, I remember, like, well, not remember, because this was just a few months ago, but, like, I, I helped set up the Justin Murphy uh, mold bug event and right. got, like, the venue and all this shit. And, like, right. I remember when I was doing that, I was, like, who's, like, what are people going to think about this shit? You know right, what right, I mean? Right. Like, and just kind of, like, stamping yourself on something like that, because, like, for so long, it just seemed, like, so fucking forbidden. And it's not, like, it's not, like, I, like, you know, agree with Moldbug on like anything. I think he's actually a really nice guy and he's not right, right. racist at all. But basically by saying that someone is beyond the pale of even reading, that right. someone is beyond the pale of even grasping, is that's right. the ultimate endorsement of every negative yeah, yeah. stereotype that you could possibly levy on a person. No, no, totally. And, and so like, but if you're not willing to understand a subject and that's such a big problem with what's happened. And I, and you know, like there are a lot of conservatives who say it about left people, but I think it's mostly a left wing problem in general is that Mm -hmm. like by not, and it's becoming less of a problem, you know, which I think is really good. Like, and a lot of people are mad that like, they're like, Oh, look at all these like left people. They know they're kind of like barning our, our scene or whatever. But I'm like, well, then do you believe in a world where power doesn't exist? Because, right, like, right. you know, like, do, you, do you believe that, like, we just live in some, you live in some vacuum and you're like, it's like, so at a certain point, you like these distinctions, they have to get, they have to shatter for you. Right. It's like if people are becoming less reactionary and more willing to understand that things aren't one thing or the other in extreme polarities that's a good thing i think thing. that's a good thing it's a great yeah. thing no i completely agree with that and, and i and i think that the idea of like oh no are these ideas gonna i mean they're the reason why i think there is i mean if you look at someone like you know this took a long time but if you look at someone like like heidegger the way that heidegger got laundered through existentialism and then through certain parts of post-colonialism like it did really uh push it into a certain corner and you can see the same thing with like Carl Schmidt of like, you know, so once you get to like Chantal Mouffe's reading of Carl Schmidt where it's like, we're going to use, we're going to admit certain parts of this is true so that we can in make liberalism stronger by applying a Schmidtian critique of, of it to itself in this way. You can get to these like weird things where like, it's going to be like left, you know, like, uh, whatever, like, uh, institutional left readings of Moldbug that, or, or instant, I mean, we can already see that from himself. It's not even that crazy, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, but, but it is kind of dumb and not related to power. It's like, if you, if you like the ideas, like they need to go out there. I think it's just like, just saying that it's like, 
it's almost like, like that. What you're saying is like totally true and happens with so many things with, but it's so interesting that like, ultimately, at least for me, acknowledging that people are becoming less reactionary and less like freaked out for lack of a better word. It's more just like, Oh, thank God. Maybe I don't have to worry about someone getting canceled, whether it's me or someone. I, not that it matters, fuck it, whatever. Cause it's already going to happen. But hopefully we can get to a place where there isn't this like hellish hellfire over people saying, Oh, I read this book. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with this, but I really like the conversation around it. That's an interesting thing. Um, and I think so just on like a basic level of like, Oh man, let one less person has to worry about like getting freak someone getting upset or freaking out at them just for talking about whatever or reading whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, ultimately like, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like in the end, because then you're just clearing way for like new forms to take shape. It's like, like, that's kind of why I see like all these like SoundCloud rapper kids is like kind of like our new philosophers, you know, it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, like I think they're, you know, they're like representing, they're working with like time and intensity in this really interesting way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot we can learn from like, just think shit like that, where it's like, you know, it's like philosophy and like culture and stuff, but like it just, it doesn't end. You know, right, I mean, right, it, just, right. it doesn't end at a certain point. It's not like I, 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 I'm not as maybe it's like a little optimistic. I don't know, but I don't think it like ends at a certain point. So it's like I think ultimately also like gatekeeping is like really important for you as a person, because as a person, you need demarcations, you need boundaries and everything. And I think mm -hmm. in collections and bodies of people do like we all need boundaries like it's biologically ingrained in us to create territory to right. claim space like we have to do that and that's in order for that space to be ours we need to fucking put a border up like that's like this whole thing about like oh no borders no this or that it's like you're actually you're you're letting in warring factions into domains that could actually be detrimental yeah. to the people you you care about and the people who are closest to you like, that's why we have things like the Second Amendment. That's why we have things, like, you know, because they're yeah. bu they're built out of like a historic evolutionary need. Yeah. And so, like, and that's kind of, but that's what I, this is like a totally fucking off tangent right now. No, no, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, it's just interesting. Like I, I'm probably, and I've always been, I don't even want to get into politics stuff, but yeah, I've always yeah. just kind of been, uh, uh, I'm sure people do get just like, open i open the borders destroy let's destroy it all um but i don't even want to get into it but uh, yeah. it's interesting no matter what i don't know um, no it, no it, it is totally interesting and um, one thing i have always um i wish i had gone to college and, and studied philosophy like because you know for me, or maybe this. Hey, we didn't me. do that either. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't. didn't like, oh. like, I'm not like. That's the whole thing. Like, yeah. yeah. While no, no. other people are in college, I was like living out of a car in like Oakland, in like. Well, I mean, I, I went to college. I studied like history and electronic music at Santa Cruz, but I was all up with the like. I spent, you know, I I got. I think I got the same info shop. Uh, anarchist impression there because there was a lot of that there and so I, I wasn't really politically on that tip but socially i engaged with some of that um 
But but anyway, yeah, no, I didn't study philosophy either or anything. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, I, part of me, it's like, well, that's the thing, though. It's like just on a, like a personal level, you know, like I'm always interested and always have been interested. You know, there's stuff that I read I completely understand, but there's that part of me that's like, oh, well, I guess if I read these like philosophers, I would need to read like X amount of books. And man, I wish I was just like in a class where I had to write like 20 papers to make but that's just my OCD shit, you know, and it, that, yeah, that's just my own yeah. stuff. Where I'm like, well, am I really learning about this? Because if I, I don't know, um, but. But I think that's something that like all just, you know, curious people go through. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like the problem of being like a curious, open person. Yeah. It's yeah. like feeling like, oh man, if I just like, I just wish I could never sleep. Well, I mean, not to be like, not to be too trad with this, but like, there are certain things about like when you look at like old high school educations that people had, like, like you know, pre nineteen forties, pre nineteen thirties. There's things where it's like, fuck, I wish I like, you know, learned two languages when I was in high school or something like that. And those languages were like, one of those languages was like Greek or like Latin or Aramaic or fucking whatever, some fucking deep shit. It's like, yes. We could have all been, you know, more prepared to like, but, and, and it's also just weird, this idea of like, I feel like a lot of people are on there like, I learned that because they read it once when it's like, to me, the only time that I've actually gotten into like, like is when you just keep circling around shit at different ages. That's actual learning. Yeah. yeah. All these books that I, that I love that I always come back to, I, I'm, I'm still so like, oh, I don't truly understand this. I'll never yeah, understand totally. this. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's just people that yeah like you said are curious where that's something you do to yourself so you keep reading it or keep interacting with what you're interested in and you yeah. think about it you know i think it's yeah. probably weird to just be like yeah i read that book once i get it it's very check mark it's very like you know a notches on notches on the bed post yeah yeah, yeah. like for me yeah but yeah it's just going through things multiple times and like at the same time like there's stuff that i've you know, gotten into that, like, has totally fucking just totally changed my life and, like, really helped me out in so many ways that I'm like, I need to go back to this because it's practically helping me in some way. Like, I'm right. getting something out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's something, like, that I, that I just keep going back to this source just because it's, like, you know, whether I understand it or not, it's just, like, it just makes me feel good at the end right. of the day. And exactly. It's just, Yes. Like, that's kind of like, that's, and it's like, well, you know, if I'm not like getting fucked up anymore, like <laughs> I have to, you know, I have to find my pleasures and treasures somewhere. That's, you know? I feel the exact same way, man. Like that's <laughs> like, what it is for me is like reading or whatever those, those things stimulate me internally, you know, the same way that drugs did or close yeah. to that, whatever. Totally. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's just interesting. Like the certain type of people that have to do that. Um Yeah. Yeah, no, man. Um, for me, just a quick thing, like, uh, actually, I, whenever I was doing drugs, after I got off drugs, like, I hated video games. Like, I used to love video games as a kid, like, and every, I just hated Call of, just wasn't for me, Call of Duty, stuff like that. <laughs> but I gotten deep into that game, Dark Souls. I don't know if you ever heard of that game. Yeah, yeah, so crazy. The art and the aesthetics of it are amazing. It's, it's too hard for me to play, but I've watched a lot of people play it. It's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. No, it's, it's like, uh, I... It, I guess it was like 2013. I got this game, and to it, it's it plays very much like an old, say, like video game where you die a lot and you have to like understand the loop of the game. Um, and anyway, what's interesting to me is like that had that checked my box intellectually of like, oh my god, I love 
video games again. I like love these things. And then, you know, of course that goes to books or film or art. But uh, anyway, just as a side note, I could say like <clears throat> Dark Souls, definitely a yeah. sober side note. Yeah, no, Thin, <laughs> Thin Lizzy was big for me because I, I couldn't listen to music for like seven months. Oh, yeah. And then I like, well, this was actually, this was when I was like 19. And I was like, at that point, I was like doing more hard drugs. And I was like trying to getting into drinking as a substitute. And I was like doing it through Thin Lizzy. Oh, shit. shit yeah. And that was like, that was like my gateway to like getting off of like other shit. That and just like having to do like manual labor because i was oh, right. like uh landscape i was doing like landscaping and building like patios and shit. shit yeah so it was like it was but yeah it's weird how you can find those things and then it just becomes that you know it'd be it just it transitions you into these other phases and it's like and it's like yeah i mean i basically do things the same way i used to do them when i they were just like in my body you know right 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 like like i just like I'm still looking for those places and it's right. like, right. And that's the weird thing about like money and like capitalism is like that stuff will never fulfill like that kind of, in that, that stuff is never intoxicating. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. like, I just don't care about it. Right, it's, right. Like, it's just not something I think about. Like, I just want to get involved in shit I like and like whatever. That's meaning. Yeah, no, totally. For sure. You know, but yeah, but it's it's funny the way some things can do that, and I just other things just it just don't do it for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> cool. I relate. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs>